0: Today's show is brought to you by mParticle. It's the only customer data platform built to address modern data challenges. For most brands today, customer interactions are spread across lots of connected devices, and that makes it tough to create optimal experiences and drive the right marketing outcomes. That's why brands like Spotify, Venmo, and Airbnb use mParticle. It lets them unify customer data into a single customer view. Then they can easily integrate that data into any marketing or analytics platform with no additional engineering time required. The result is more personalized customer experiences on websites and in apps, as well as more relevant ads across all channels and partners. Visit mparticle.com to learn about how mparticle can help your business unify the customer experience and accelerate growth. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By 2050, the world population will reach nearly 10 billion and food production will need to grow by 70%. Farmers are working with IBM and Watson to help increase their crop yields. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com/smart. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who left you a one-star review on Yelp, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Jeremy Stoppelman, who I've known for a long time. He's the CEO and co-founder of Yelp. Jeremy has been on this show before, back in December 2015. We have a lot to catch up on. He's one of the first people that was on the show. We're going to talk about everything that has changed since then, which is a lot. Jeremy, welcome to Recode Decode.
1: Thanks for having me. Good How to be doing? back.
0: What's going on since 2015? Oh, oh wow. geez. New Just president. a few things. things. Yeah. All right, let's check in. So what's what's going on at Yelp? What's been happening there since the since we chatted? We talked about a lot of things, and a lot of things are the same. A lot of things are different.
1: Yeah, I mean, Yelp continues to grow. Uh, we've got a really big mobile app these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which everything's mobile for you yeah, guys, right? Lots of reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold uh, recently a company, E24, that we had purchased a, right. a few years want to prior. Right, I about that. Uh, yeah, and you know, we got into the food de- delivery space, and then it kind of changed on us, and mm-hmm. uh, we got out of the food delivery. space. All right, space we'll talk about and, that more
0: in detail. Yeah. And so, how do you look at the company now? Because a lot of people thought you would have sold the company by now, or gone public, or whatever. How are you thinking of it right now? Because it's been—it's one of the grandfather companies, really, of <laughs> Web Two We're not that
1: arthritic, yeah. Yes, you are. I'm uh, no, not arthritic. No, no, no. You know we what stay, I mean? You guys we, have been we can, around. We do our yoga and Pilates in Yeah, I know. But you've been around and, for a
0: long time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think is that's you a you thrill. How old is it?
1: Uh, I think I'm going on 14 years. 14 there, years, about, right? Yeah.
0: So, w- how are you looking at the company? As a private company, obviously, it has to be making money because you couldn't be public company. Public yeah. company. Um, I'm sorry, it's a public company. But how do you how do you look at the the space?
1: Um, I mean, I see it as a very large space. So local search is huge. Uh, things with local intent is a huge percentage of search. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of categories. There's a lot of uh, revenue and advertisers uh, to be signed up. So it still feels like a very long runway for mm-hmm.
0: you. Mm-hmm. And would it have been the overall transfer? It's mobile, obviously. We talked about that last time, is that yeah. everything is mobile. Is yeah. there nothing that's...
1: Not mobile for you? <laughs> no, I, I, mo- mobile is kind of the big story. You know, obviously we started as a regular old website and then mm-hmm. uh, invested early in the, in the iPhone and had our app take off. But you know, there is transition now. There, I think consumers expect uh, not just to find information, but then be able to transact, and so that's right. been a big emphasis for us building out Yelp you know, platform, uh, enabling consumers to get quotes, for instance, from our request a quote, functionality, uh, you know, being able to make reservations on restaurants, add themselves to the wait list at, you know, very popular places, like lots of cool transactional stuff, remote mm-hmm. control for your life. I think uh, Matt Kohler might have invented that phrase, <laughs> but I, I've stolen it.
0: You were, again, one of the earliest apps on the on the platform. If you're not, were you in the first? Yeah, we were in the first
1: bunch. And you were in the were first there were about bunch. 200 apps at that time. Right,
0: exactly. I can't imagine. How many are there now? Uh, Two hundred million, 200 million I yeah, don't know, like a lot. so when you were doing that, the idea is that you just sought information that people were and put up reviews and things like that, and people on the go would have it, so you had a lot of place kind of
1: I mean it was it was a it was pretty remarkable moment because Yelp was about you know reputation of local businesses and local businesses have an address mm-hmm. and so one of the challenges of using Yelp way back when was knowing the user 's location, especially when they were on the go, and so the iPhone changed that. And we realized very quickly when it was born, and that there was going to be a, an app platform that that would make our service better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it was it ended up being you know a, a, we we've got to win this. Like it felt like a new starting line for the company, so we took it very seriously. I mean, it was controversial inside the company because, of course, you have this new platform. Not that many people have right. you know have iPhones yet, but it did feel like in a really your, important moment You build for your the business on,
0: a, on the web,
1: which yeah, everybody has. yeah, and it, it takes some. I, I guess, an act of humility to say all the stuff that we built before, it might not actually matter five right. years from now.
0: Right. All right. that much. Right. And you made the transition pretty well compared to other companies. I'll tell you, a lot of them didn't. A lot of them did. So yeah. you, when you, when you're thinking about what's happening next, what, how do you look at this transact? Talk a little bit more at the transaction model because I think you, a lot of people, you know, they have individual discrete things like open table, I only use it for information for, mm-hmm. for reservations. Yeah. Or I use Resi or whatever. Mm-hmm. That I'm just using restaurants as an example of something I use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about how you, why one site for doing that? Because you could transact with a plumber, you can transact with all kinds of people.
1: I mean, so often I talk to people that, you know, maybe have one of these transactional apps, but then also, you know, love Yelp content. And Mm -hmm. then they're complaining about, why do I have to bounce between? I go to Yelp and then I go to this other app and then I try to I don't
0: think I've made a restaurant reservation on Yelp.
1: Well, you got to get I don't on know why. I just we have thousands, just, just... We, no, between I uh No Weight and Yelp Reservations there is something like 8,000 plus now uh-huh. on the platform, a lot of good places. Uh so consumers, uh, you know, they don't just want to find the information, they also want to take that next step. And so uh-huh. we're we're trying to add that functionality wherever possible. What
0: what's the fastest growing area of that?
1: Uh, request a quote's been on fire. So the home and local services area is really hot for us. We also make a lot of money. It turns out, uh, those businesses spend a lot on, uh, on ads and leads. Right, right. Um, That's all they
0: are, right? That's all they need.
1: Uh, well, it, it's, on infrequent. Pla- other it's infrequent. It's yeah. infrequent. You, you don't need a roof for hopefully every week or, right. or every month. You need it, you know, once every several years or something like that. Sure. And so, as a result, those advertisers are willing to pay up uh, for that opportunity to right. And where that was on
0: what service, like Angie's List, and and they're two. one of
1: the players in that segment of, of the space. I mean, we go very horizontal. There's right. There's a lot of vertical players out there. We kind of cut across all of them, which we mm-hmm. think is is a pretty unique aspect of Yelp. It's mm-hmm. kind of one stop shop for information, and then it's on us to provide transactional services well, to fill of, in each of the versions. It's kind of a
0: living Yellow Pages, essentially. Yeah. Yellow Pages with more information, Yeah,
1: I mean, that was part of the premise yeah. of, of starting the company in the beginning right. is we felt like, hey, there's this big opportunity, the Yellow Pages, it's still a multi-billion dollar business in the U.S. alone and nothing is disrupted it is back in 2004 mm-hmm. and so we felt like if you could create something better than the yellow pages mm-hmm. something better for consumers where it wasn't just a book of ads like right. that could be something valuable sure
0: so you when you're thinking about uh, where it goes next if you're going to cut a you, you right now it's quotes restaurants what other areas could you do that in
1: I mean there there's you know spas salons i mean all the sort of personal services uh, pretty much anything with an address, you, you can find valuable information on uh, on Yelp. Uh, and then, you know, depending on the business, it may or may not se- make sense for us to help you make that next step. There might be, you know, ways to integrate further to allow you to transact. And things like, uh, you know, finding a be- an, an incredible park to go to on the weekend. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to do a transaction around that, but it's right. still a useful reason to use you. Know?
0: Right. So you, um, when you're thinking about sort of where you've been, um, how does that inform what you're doing? Because, you know, in running a company, for 14 years what happens I'm really interested in in you in particular because I think you've been through a lot of ups and downs (laughs) of the business how do you look at uh, and you've gone through lots of things possible sale investments public offering everything else Mm -hmm. what have you learned in that journey so far
1: Oh, where do I begin so
0: much? Because entrepreneurs want to understand this because there's not... Yeah.
1: I I mean, it is a really cool job in the sense that it changes every few years and it changes dramatically. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to 2004, what was my job? My job was really to be a product manager in in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, Designing what, what does the product look like? What's the functionality? Working with an engineering team, you know, doing a little bit of business development to get data, you know, those kinds of things. And then once you actually get some traction and, and build up a team, suddenly you have a, more of a real leadership role, and you have mm-hmm. to start communicating and doing all hands. And so every few years, the the job is reinvented, and I think fundamentally that's the the reason I've stuck around. Is it's just so. Damn interesting.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, when you're doing that, what kind of skills? I mean, what I want to get at more is because we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening. Like, what are the skills you have to develop? Because a lot, a lot of founders stay with companies always. Some in tech, they do more than other places, I think. But there's a there's a learning curve that many don't. Yeah, aren't able to, to climb.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the beginning, for a lot of tech companies, it's about product and engineering. Um, and as Uh, as the company grows, it really becomes about people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have to be able to uh, seamlessly transition between those kind of two major (laughs) subject areas. And and I'd say maybe that's where, you know, certain folks, um, you know, step out is like maybe they're really good at product engineering. They're not people, persons, uh, Mm -hmm. and and maybe they don't want to become people, people, persons. uh, And so they step back and let someone else do it. But, you know, I've found kind of both very, Uh, Enriching and interesting and fun and challenging, Um, and so I've really enjoyed the role. You know, as as it's changed and you know as I look. How do you get better
0: at it? What are your? What is your? You know, again, I don't mean to say Yelp's under the radar, but it's one that that like, is just just slogged along like you just – A uh, slog. No, you know what I mean. You that know what I mean. I like, you know, have slogged you know? along. I have slogged we're, along we're,
1: we're headed That's towards a, a billion, work. you know, right. a billion-ish in revenue Yes, no, uh, in I get that. But I'm saying it's, you see, it's a
0: building. <laughs> a lot of people don't do that. They don't do – they haven't done that. They sell – they often sell out or they move along.
1: Yeah, and there were those moments, and I thought, oh, maybe we are going to sell the company. This right. certainly looks interesting, and then it doesn't happen. And right. you know, I guess at that point you could say, oh, well, I'm I'm done, and I want to do something else, and hand it over to someone, or you could say, right. hey, well, it's still just as interesting as it was before that offer mm-hmm. came in, and you kind of recommit. And uh,
0: how many people do you guys have now?
1: Probably north of six thousand.
0: Wow, and what? Mo- that's mostly engineering, right? Correct? Right?
1: No, it's uh, sales. Engineering is probably in the several hundred and sales is in the, that many thousands. Right, all across the country.
0: <laughs> and what do you, um, when you look at where it's going next, how do, you, how do you map it out? Do you map it out in five year, 10 year? I'm bugging you about this because I think it's important for people to understand that day-to-day management is.
1: I'd say three-year horizon is about as far out as I really focus. I think five years in Silicon Valley, you know, it's like we have trouble. We're pretty good at thinking linearly, but we're not very good at thinking exponentially. What do you mean? Uh, Well, just like the innovation cycle is actually kind of exponential. Like uh, if you go back to like the singularity is near the Mm -hmm. Kurzweil, you know, it's like when you see the when you see on a timeline, the rate of innovation, it seems like it's accelerating. And like our brains don't work that well uh, at understanding the implications of that. And so, you know, I'd say you do kind of see out just a few years and it's hard to imagine what's going to happen beyond like two to three years. So
0: what do you think about right now?
1: I think about how do I make sure that Yelp is just as important, uh, you know, two to three years from now as it is today? How do I make sure that we have a bigger audience? How do I make sure that, you know, we're more successful? How do I make sure that... We're, you know, a better uh, partner for advertisers. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I make sure that consumers love us? Mm-hmm. So all of those things, you know, I obsess about those things because I, fundamentally that is the challenge of a tech company is how do you stay relevant in right. constantly, right. rapidly
0: yeah. uh, changing world? Right. What are you most concerned with then? Is it just the change or is it the, it's not being, what's the thing that you spend most of your time on then?
1: Um, you know, it, it's thinking about what's, What's coming down the pipe? What's changing about the world that you live in? You know, what's going on with the competitive landscape? Like, how do you stay ahead of the competition? I feel like we have you know, the best content about local businesses. But, you know, three years from now, is is that going to be enough or will competitors have okay content and therefore we have to have something even better?
0: Right. right. Um,
1: And so that's figuring out, you know, what what are the new weapons to put in your arsenal? So
0: So in local, what are those new weapons? Because a lot of people feel local is not addressed. A lot of people feel local news isn't addressed, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think the key issues around local are right now?
1: I mean, I I think it's continuing to build out the moat, the content moat that we have an edge in. And then it's also... Ah, uh, building it is out a moat. these transactional—it like the is a moat, I would say. We try to make it a moat, you need and a then moat. and then you want to strengthen it. You know, you want to deepen the moat, put alligators in it. Okay. Uh, and Did so I that think that's. Did alligator thing
0: on Twitter? Sorry.
1: Was there an alligator? Thing? Well, oh the baby uh, no I, a
0: big alligator ended up in someone's pool in Florida. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry.
1: There was some other alligator meme yeah, as well. Yeah. Maybe it was a crocodile. Yeah. I'm not sure.
0: All right, so <laughs> so sorry. Get back to the moat. Your alligator moat. Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so then you know the transactional services I think is another uh, potential uh, you know deepening of that mode. If you have all these unique transactional services, you marry that with your deep content mode, Suddenly, it's this very special place—not just to find information, but then also take that next step. That makes it that much more sticky.
0: So one of the things you did it uh, was e24. Why did you get into that and why did you get out? What was the just saying it's competitive? Is you got into it for a reason?
1: Yeah. So we launched. What was the, the thinking? We launched the Yelp transaction platform right around the time of the IPO. Uh, and definitely we were thinking about the food delivery space, which was you know, just emerging um, at that time. And there were a lot of players. And so our thought was, hey, we're just going to open it up, be an open platform. The players are going to come in. We're not going to have to get into the delivery business. Um, and we'll just let everyone else duke it out. Mm-hmm. And what happened is basically everyone else, everyone besides Grubhub, jumped in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, some of the newer, newer folks didn't show up till a few years later, like mm-hmm. Postmates and DoorDash. But a bunch of people uh, jumped in and mm-hmm. uh, invested in the platform with us. And E24 was uh, an outlier in its performance. And you know we had a great working relationship, and they were you know, really responsive to all of our feedback and ideas. And so it was just a, it it became a good match. And I think they saw the writing on the wall that, hey, this is getting to be a very competitive area. Um, And they never, they actually were bootstrapped. They never had venture funding. And so they kind of, you know, raised their hand and said, hey, we think we're going to get out, uh, you know, as founders, we've taken as far as we can go. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to sell the business. Are you interested? And they were actually our number one partner at the time. And so it kind of lured us into the business because we're like, well, we're definitely in this space. We wanna marry our content with transactions. E24 is our best partner. Grubhub isn't really interested right now, even though you know we had the occasional conversation about transaction platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that just seemed like the right move. And none of the delivery network stuff had taken shape. I mean, Uber was probably tiny and the yeah. idea of it going into Uber like all that craziness that now you see, none of that existed at the time we were making that decision. Right. So you
0: had caviar, you had all those. Had I don't
1: trans- even know. No, caviar wasn't right. at the time that we were buying E24, right. I don't even think caviar so was. So what
0: launched. what made you decide not to do it then?
1: Um We were at the point where we felt like, okay, this delivery network thing, having your own drivers is really important. And for a while, we were worried that it wasn't going to pencil. It was going to be too expensive. But Mm -hmm. it seemed like at that point, okay, people are figuring this out. It can be done. Are we committed enough to this space to invest the probably hundreds of millions of dollars required To get a delivery network up and running and compete more effectively in the space, Mm -hmm. and just as we're contemplating that decision, uh, you know, Grubhub said, "Hey, let's talk about a grand." (laughs) So they had a vision for like, (laughs) what if, like, what if we did this deal that you know we had long been talking about but never executed, and what if we took, yeah, and they're they're facing their own pressures, and what if you know we we take E twenty four. And it was just, it It made so much sense for both parties. Uh, right. You know, and it, and it was a, an easy deal to make. Like there wasn't a whole lot of drama. It just kind of happened.
0: Right. And it, what I points out is that you do something and then it just doesn't work and you move on. I do that a lot. If something doesn't I mean,
1: I wouldn't say it didn't work in the sense that we I mean sold it for a much not, higher price yeah, than we it's bought your, it for. not
0: your wheelhouse, is what I'm saying.
1: Well, I think building out a delivery network is, yeah, it's a commitment. Right, <laughs> right. So we were at a point of like, are we going to really commit... Uh, right. To the future of the, the food delivery space, also. or is there a way to focus on what we would prefer to focus on? Right. Um, you know, we we never really wanted to build a delivery network.
0: Right. All right. We're here with Jeremy Stoppelman. He's the CEO of Yelp. We have talked before. We're talking about where Yelp is today. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Sure. Your bank or PayPal can get you money from A to B but that transfer will cost you more than it should, a lot more. That's the old way of doing things. Let me tell you about the new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, TransferWise. TransferWise was founded by two friends who were frustrated by their banks' bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered, what if we could bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. Today, more than two million people use TransferWise, people sending money home, businesses paying suppliers freelancers getting paid the list goes on transferwise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee so it'll put some extra money in your pocket for more important things no one has ever said it's important that my bank gets some extra money test it out for free at transferwise.com slash podcast or download the app once again that's transferwise.com slash podcast it's a wise way to send money we're here with Jeremy Stoppelman. He is the CEO of Yelp, which is, everybody knows what Yelp is. Mm-hmm. Everyone, do you, you want to explain it to people?
1: Uh connects you with great local businesses.
0: All right. That's good. That's a good, that's a nice little...
1: That's our purpose. That, that's our
0: purpose. So when you talk about that, you, you got out of the, we just were talking about the food business, you got out of that. What do you think about getting into? Like just more content, more of what you are? I just interviewed John Chen from Blackberry recently, and he was talking about that they have to focus on the things that, when he was trying to recover the company, that people knew it for security, the keyboard, uh, systems that people could manage better uh, for phones and stuff like that. And so you have to sort of drill down to what you're really about.
1: I mean, we really focused on, you know, aside from the transactions thing, which we talked about, there's the restaurant Mm -hmm. area of Yelp, uh, which we've always been good at restaurants, but it's how do we get even better? Right. Uh, And that does dovetail into some of the transaction stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's home and local services where, you know, we monetize really well, mm-hmm. uh, and we've created a, a really compelling new product, Request a Quote. In the last couple of years, it's taken off, um, and so it's continuing to build out that area, create more value for advertisers, but also create an incredible consumer experience. Uh, with Request a Quote, you can, you know, submit your job maybe you're looking for you know someone to clean your office or what have you and you can reach out to several people at the same time have conversations within the app it's very convenient for consumers so
0: what about um news have you ever thought about getting into i'm just curious because news and information about a same next door does that obviously ring now does it which i find interesting my ring app tells me about what's going on in my neighborhood have you ever thought about getting into that
1: yeah, we've dabbled here and there with some experiments. Uh, we had some hoodline uh, headlines um, in the app uh, with one experiment a while ago, but we've never gotten super serious about it. I think a lot of the engagement uh, in that area comes from the crime stuff, mm-hmm. like the, the crime yes. blotters. And and so there is something about that. I don't know that that's a great fit with Yelp.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't go to this restaurant. But uh,
1: yeah, there's like a police blotter app uh, that my fiance uh, is really obsessed with. Yeah. And uh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like, yeah, <laughs> she's want to. living in fear now as a result, you know, but it, it's interesting. You want to know what's going on around you. So I get it.
0: Right. But local, not news, not that kind of thing.
1: You know, never say never, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but it's not a focus area. What about anyway. new
0: technologies? How are you looking at AR and, and VR? We talked about this a little bit last time we talked. What do you, how is that, that going to change? Because, you know, the, the iPhone changed your business rather mm-hmm. dramatically. What do you imagine the next big thing of changing your business is?
1: I mean, one of the coolest technologies that we've been, you know, finding use for everywhere, and it's kind of a cliche buzzword at this point, but uh, is machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really powerful. You know, we use it to analyze photos now. And so we can separate, you know, this is the exterior business, interior of the business. This is the food. These are the cocktails, um, and so it's adding very real tangible value uh, in pouring through our data. Um, it's also had a powerful impact um, in the way that we sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're able to figure out which leads to prioritize uh, based on evaluating signals coming in. Um, so that, that's kind of the most tangible right now, what is the biggest technology for us. Mm-hmm. Um, AR, I mean, we, we were the first app in the U.S. Uh, to launch uh, an AR feature. Mm-hmm. I'd like to remind everyone what, what, out there. What did It forgot. was Yelp Monocle. You don't remember Monocle? No, I don't. Oh, my don't God. Explain it, was, it to me. It was huge. Sorry, I, I think can't. the year was 2009 or okay. something like that. early. 2010. All right, real early. <laughs> and uh, Still early. It, it was built by an intern. Uh-huh. Uh, and basically, you'd hold up your phone looking, say, down the street. Mm-hmm. It has the video camera you know, on. And so right. you're seeing a video feed of down the street and then right. it would overlay what businesses are in that direction and what their star rating is. And so it where did have this f- feeling of it's from the future. And it was incre- like, yeah. it was the gift that kept on giving. Like people right. were talking about this feature for the next four years. So where is it now? Uh, I think there's still a way to access <laughs> it actually. In and the
0: intern
1: the <laughs> <laughs> The intern moved on. But it's
0: a good idea. Yeah, Why not no, bring it back?
1: No, I mean... I think it was good to show the possibilities, but um, it wasn't so... Actually, the engagement with it wasn't so... Important, what makes that, it was that? Worth investing. because I think that
0: is something that's going to be a big deal in local the ability to walk around with glasses or your phone or something where you get signals.
1: Constantly. Yeah, I mean, I think there, I there probably Apple's is a point where you know, our the technology is so good that you have a contact lens in that you're wearing anyways, and then it can highlight, oh, like, here's the rating. Of the bit, like, right. there is some super minority report style functionality somewhere yeah. 20 Mr. years Nakahoma, from now. On.
0: Would you like the fleece? Remember that? No, that he walks into the gap, he has the new eyes, and it goes, Do you enjoy the fleece from last uh, time? Would you like? look at some cool lots or yeah something.
1: there you go yeah, yeah that so. kind of stuff uh, yeah so I, I'm sure there's ways to incorporate Yelp information that are very futurey and cool mm-hmm. um, you know the there's definitely some stuff you could do with recognizing signs and, uh, you know, augmenting menus when you hold the phone, looking at a menu, it could mm-hmm. put up more information about dishes. So we're, we've dabbled and looked at that stuff, but uh, it's not a game changer. Right now it's the, the, the phone.
0: It's the phone and the website. So let's get that then to search because okay. that's been the biggest oh, issue yeah. for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Google. Um, how is that relationship going? You ping me all the time, which I like. What I you, ping you. You do. You write me notes, your thoughtful notes. I appreciate them. Well, I you're appreciate welcome. Them. Most people don't write me thoughtful notes.
1: Um, <laughs> I try to try to win I people over. Where I can't believe you said can. that about
0: me. So <laughs> I'm like, relax
1: no you always say nice things yeah yeah not always warm and fuzzy (laughs) that's me Um, no no it's not my brand in any way
0: (laughs) but talk about google where you are you obviously famously have been in a in a tussle with them for a long time yeah uh, more than a tussle over search and they have only expanded their offerings on maps and and elsewhere um can you talk about where that is right now
1: yeah. Um, I mean, the relationship is the relationship, I would say, we're encouraged uh, by all the stuff that has happened in the EU.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, talk about that. Give, our, give people who don't know what that,
1: what that Yeah, means. so I mean, if you go way back, there was a FTC investigation of mm-hmm. Google uh, into search bias and scraping. That's a kind of uh, investigation. 2011, yeah. I believe, is the timing. There was Which also a Senate nowhere. antitrust panel that, that I spoke on around that, same time. And the US basically, yeah, did nothing, uh, which was disappointing. Uh, and, and from my conversations around that time, it was very clear that Google was on this problem from day one. Like mm-hmm. they knew that this was going to be a thing. And Eric Schmidt was the guy at Novell who saw the entire playbook mm-hmm. from the other side. Uh, and so I think, you know, as Google really took off and he realized, hey, we've, we've got a probable monopoly here. Here's the playbook for how do we do better than Microsoft. And they've executed that playbook flawlessly. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. Uh, you Why does our
0: government do anything? And we'll get to Europe in a minute. What do you? It was the Obama. Was it tech yeah. friendly?
1: Well, you had this incredible uh, interview I like to cite uh, with Obama, uh, where he talked about the Europeans' interest in big tech. I was shocked. Is by that. just protectionist, right. And that is like straight out of Google PR government relations mm-hmm. uh, speak, right, right. there. And so that was very uh, troubling and disappointing to watch. Come on, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm related. You know, you were weren't you on Pod Save America recently? Yeah. And I've noticed. Maybe I'm just too, I don't know, cynical about these things. But I've noticed when they talk about big tech, they're always talking about Facebook, Mm -hmm. and they almost never mention. Google yeah. and they're all exo. obama Yeah, Google's people. hidden in the shed. It's like <laughs> you know, they, they, just wrote they might have today. a throwaway comment like someone, Google, but it's like quiet. A and it's off to side.
0: Said Google's playing this. like they want to be quietly off to the side while Facebook like runs into walls every five seconds. Yeah, yeah. To and be I mean, fair, Facebook's running into a lot of walls. We'll get to that in the next. Yeah,
1: segment. I mean, if we're going to talk about privacy right. and tracking, it's it, you can't have a, a real conversation about Facebook without talking about Google.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, we will get to that. So you. So they didn't do these. They they absolutely gave them a pass. I, the Obama administration gave.
1: Uh, yeah, they they gave them a pass. The FTC gave them a pass. Um, and then the conversation shifted to Europe. And at Mar- first at first it was, well, before Vestager, <laughs> there was Almunia. Uh-huh. And uh, and that did not go well. Uh, Almunia was about to do a similar settlement to what the FTC came to, where it was just mm-hmm. not going to be anything. And uh, miraculously... Uh, it, it got tur- the conversation got turned around, the investigation got turned around at the very last second and it became politically infeasible, I guess, for him to sign off on a, a quick deal with Google. It got passed to Vestager. She's been incredible. She's, she's da- been brave. Danish,
0: right, Danish. She's yeah. Danish uh, politician. Yes. Uh, and very strong-minded. I've been, I interviewed her just chief, recently, yeah. competition chief mm-hmm. for the EU, yeah. and she's been relentless.
1: Yeah. I mean, she came out strong. I I would say fair and objective. She's not, you know, looking to get anyone, Mm -hmm. but you know, she, she kind of hit the reset button Mm -hmm. and, um, and I I think has has kept the pressure on and has really pushed the conversation in Europe um, around antitrust, around search bias and around privacy, frankly. so she's been ahead of the curve and, and you know, it's been unfortunate to see, you know, U.S. lawmakers throw stones and so forth. And, you know, there's obviously been the lobbying effort back in the States to put pressure on her. But, you know, she's remained really strong. And, and so we, we continue to be encouraged by their process. They obviously took a, a swing with the shopping case. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and I don't think the, the net result with the, with that was satisfactory to them. I right, mean, Google, it was the, the onus was on Google to sort of fix and address the shopping issue mm-hmm. where they were biasing results, uh, you know, to their shopping section. And I think the consensus in Europe is that it's not sufficient. And so the onus is back on Google to solve that. Uh, where, you know, we come in is obviously we would, I, and I think their hope, the, the EU competition uh, folks' hope, is to create a framework that then they can apply to other verticals, such as local. And they've, you know, said so much uh, publicly that you know local is another interesting area that this could apply to, whatever mm-hmm. the remedy is. So,
0: so what happens next there?
1: Um, I think uh, I'm not familiar with exactly the the timing, mm-hmm. but I think there's an onus on Google to to better address the the concerns, and then we'll see if they then apply, the the EU then extends and, uh, to other verticals. And
0: what about in this country? Because you, uh, recently I've been interviewing a lot of um, politicians, all Democrats, were quite anti-Google and Facebook, you know what I mean? Like Cory Booker and mm-hmm. um, Senator Warner. Yeah. Um, and if they get in power, it'll be kind of an, int- it's a different situation. I don't know where Trump is on these things. He's never mentioned Facebook or Google. He He focuses on Amazon right now.
1: I think you know strangely uh, there there is a there's bipartisan support for f- scrutiny of big tech mm-hmm. um, you know particularly around you know this the misinformation uh, stuff that that's happened uh, around privacy and around search bias I, I think you hear it from both sides it's not universal it's not everywhere but there is a uh, real interest in a way that frankly hasn't been there since I've Mm-hmm. Looking, looking what? at this area, and there's also interest from AGs now. Missouri sure uh, has uh, opened a case.
0: Mm-hmm. How? Why do you keep at it? I mean, you've kept at it for a long time. Like you're one of the few companies that talks, speaks up about it, discusses it. Um, is it because these companies are still remain so powerful? They do seem more powerful than ever, um, and startups seem less in the driver's seat than they used to.
1: I mean, I'd say specifically for me, I'm motivated because I believe we have the winning argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the approach Google has taken is fundamentally unfair. They have their thumb on the scale, uh, not just in local but other verticals. But obviously, it applies and has impacted Yelp. And uh, and I think as a result, they're you know depriving consumers of the best content. You know, their their original idea. Mm -hmm. They would make fun of what they are doing today. The 2004 Google, Larry Page, Sergey, Mm -hmm. Google, would make absolute fun of the search results you see today. Mm -hmm. Like they pointed at Yahoo and they said, look at Yahoo, they're trying to trap you in their ecosystem. They Mm -hmm. don't want you to get to the best of the web. We're going to create a turnstile. It's Mm going to send you to wherever the best content is. If it's Google, great. Google, you keep it. If it's somewhere else on the web, send them on. And Google has gone away from its, its roots. It's no longer focusing on the user And I think, you know, consumers are starting to, uh, people are starting to wake up to the fact that, you know, Google lulled them to sleep. They provided great results for many years, but in certain areas they've eroded.
0: shopping. Amazon has sort of run around, run the table on them in that area. But now you have Amazon running things. I mean, Amazon's
1: a whole different conversation. Right. But but in the local field, it's like if you're searching for a pediatrician, you get Google's property. It takes, especially on mobile, you see nothing but whatever Google has. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, Google doesn't have a whole lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do you then keep pushing back on that? Because you've obviously grown your business. You, do you need the government to intervene here?
1: I mean, obviously, we, we live in reality uh, and the government... Uh, is not the speediest uh, at dealing with these situations. And so we just find our way. Um, You know, I'd say Apple as an example has taken a much more balanced approach uh, in local. Uh, essentially, different content providers play off uh, one another, so you know, in hotels you'll usually find TripAdvisor, for mm-hmm. restaurants you'll often find Yelp, sometimes you might find Open Table content mm-hmm. and, and so it's more of a level playing field. Right. It is possible to be fair right,
0: and right. balanced. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about Apple and Facebook and other things and Silicon Valley in general and where Jeremy thinks it is. We're here with Jeremy Stoppelman, the CEO of Yelp, and we're going to take a- another break for a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by European Wax Center. They want to tell you about pink tax, an unfair tax on goods and services that are marketed to women. As a result, every year women pay more than $1,300 more than men for the exact same things. Women's basic clothing, like white t-shirts and jeans, cost more 40% of the time. Women's personal items, like deodorants and razors, cost more 56% of the time. European Wax Center wants all women to feel that they can be confident in their own skin and confident in demanding a level playing field Go to axthepinktax.com. That's A-X with just an A-X and not an E at the end. One more time, that's axthepinktax.com to learn more and see how you can help raise awareness about this important issue that affects all women. We're here with Jeremy Stoppelman. He is the CEO of Yelp, and I've known him forever. So, Jeremy, since we have been around forever, so you and I are, I'm not saying we're aged, but we've been around. We've seen a few things, right?
1: This you, is the first time, I think, in an interview that you have been the described young. as aged. Well,
0: 14 years. Thank you for breaking the seal on that. <laughs> aged. I'm so glad. By the way, I'm congratulations on getting married, finally. <laughs> um, uh, so, she's lovely. I know her. She's it's the same person. She's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't mean to say, you're, but 14 years. Silicon Valley, what do you think has changed here? Because I I think there's been a perceptible change besides the giant, enormous amounts of money these people have made, including yourself, presumably. What what do you think has changed?
1: What do you think? So much. Okay. Uh, Like uh, my favorite example is when I originally pitched Yelp to a venture capital firm, Mm -hmm. me and my co-founder Russ uh, went in in our usual t-shirts and jeans. Right. And when the the junior VC person came to give us feedback, he was like, look, I got to tell you, their number one uh, disappointment was that you pitched in jeans and T-shirts. They were really upset that you did not dress up for this presentation. Oh
0: my God, you're kidding. Wow, okay, all right. Yeah, so
1: a lot has changed. I think if today uh, an entrepreneur came in in a suit and tie, they would be laughed out of the room.
0: Right, all right. So jeans, get down to the real stuff. I mean, what do you think the soul is still about? A lot of people feel like it's... There's some problems going on. that I, I, I am one of the people that has been a massive scold over the past year and a half about this idea of growing up, becoming more mature, taking responsibility. You are powerful. You are rich. You have something to say. I was very particular about how they kowtowed to Trump on the immigration stuff initially. Um, so talk about that. Where's the timeline for Silicon Valley and innovation?
1: I mean, I think innovation is doing perfectly well. I do think there is, uh, we've been talking the talk for the last decade, let's mm-hmm. say, of, oh, we're changing the world. We're making the world a better, better place. place. Silicon Valley, the show loves to make fun of that. But it's true. Like that has been in the million. Right. you know, that's been out there. That's something that I would say most people in Silicon Valley would like to believe.
0: Yeah, allegedly.
1: And I think we're waking up to realize, oh, in fact, a lot of big companies, you know, presumably under pressures to grow and satisfy Wall Street, like end up focusing more on growth and making money than sticking to some set of core values uh, that are aspirational. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like in some ways, Silicon Valley as a whole has lost its purpose. Mm -hmm. Like if its purpose really was, hey, we're we're really trying to have a positive impact that, you know, just focusing on technology and growth might not be enough to have a positive impact. You might have to actually make decisions that hurt growth. Or just uh,
0: or just assume you're just a big old company right you know I was thinking this the other day when a lot of the Facebook executives get on Twitter and feel victimy they're doing their victimy dance right now a lot of the time and at one point the boss the Adam uh, um when he said what you know maybe people will die that that memo and someone from, and instead of being like oh God we really have to re- be a little more mature about this their thing was we can't talk now. And I was like, you know the people at ExxonMobil don't think like this they should, should say everything that comes into their tiny little brain, you know what i mean they just don't they don't have to express it, but do you imagine there's this sort of disc- i think there's a disconnect between their power and and what they who they are and who they think they are
1: yeah i mean i think I they think they're benign and earnest i I think there is not great empathy in at the top of these organizations mm-hmm. frankly mm-hmm. um and I don't know. I mean, there's some research that suggests as you become wealthier and more powerful, your empathy actually drops. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not the academic expert on that, but but it does feel like there is some lack of there is some disconnect uh, that you've rightly pointed out. And I think it's hard to put myself in their shoes, but I would hope that I would just open you know, open up as much as possible mm-hmm. and try to talk to people as much as possible and try to share as much data as possible and really embrace. Uh, you know, the reality of of what's happened, uh, you know, politically and, and, you know, how you may have played a role um, in that kind of thing. And, and but I, I get it's a very complex situation. You've got lawyers talking, you know, over here, you've got employees over here. You also have the political spectrum. It's right. like, well, you know, if you crack down hard on fake news, all of a sudden you have all these fake news people yelling at you saying you're partisan. So it's, it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah. I I'm, I'm sure. Of course not. It's really
0: interesting. I did an interview with Mark last week when all this stuff kind of broke out and he said, "Well, I didn't I don't want to be sitting at my and he's repeated it since, sitting at my desk in California making decisions and I my thing was, well, why'd you build it then? Like you built it, so you have to run it. Like right. it's sort of a weird, they sort of have, he has particularly distanced himself from his creation. Like, well, sorry about Frankenstein." I didn't mean to, be, I, I'm not the one that has to run this thing, right? Like that kind of, it was well, a very I, interesting. I, w-
1: I would say for Mark, at least he's kept the title of CEO. I mean, right. look at, at Larry. Mm-hmm. He, I think probably wisely anticipated, oh, you know, Google's really going to be turning the screws on everyone because mm-hmm. it's kind of maxing out on its growth. So, mm-hmm. you know, our, take rate on, our tax on society is going to get higher. That's going to be a painful job. Mm-hmm. Why would I want that job? I'm going to yeah. go create this new entity called Alphabet. <laughs> right, right. And I'm going to let this poor chap Sundar take all the heat. <laughs> right. Like, why are we talking about
0: Sundar when well, okay. we should be talking about Larry? Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. But he goes, he's on Mars, I think. He's but close. why
1: does the, the one of the wealthiest, most powerful people who's yep. in control fundamentally of Google and YouTube and all these mm-hmm. entities that we care about mm-hmm. doesn't talk to anyone?
0: Right, right. How is, like, that's crazy. I, I, I agree with you. We try to reach him, just to be fair. We no, try. I, That's There's great. No I'm sure sorry. it's...
1: It, it's like no one could get to him, but it, it's kind of he I might mean, we not do, exist. Let's have, be fair;
0: he might be gone somewhere. That's true, be.
1: but we should know that.
0: Yeah, that's true. We wouldn't know that though. They could make it.
1: I think. I think one of the that's troubling. I think one of the most troubling things about the situation we find ourselves in is mm-hmm. there is so much power mm-hmm. consolidated in the hands of just a few leaders that are not accountable fundamentally to right. the people. Obviously right. like the press can harass them. Yeah. You know, governments could try to regulate them, but they are massive. They're powerful. They have huge amounts of lobbying dollars, lobbying firms. I mean, good luck trying to get a lobbyist if you're not Facebook or Google right mm-hmm. now in DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. we've had we've actually had that trouble. Really like, we try to get a lobbyist, They've everyone's like, oh, oh well, I was sorry we're conflicted Google. Yeah, Google, they zero Google, you Google, out. Google. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is the way they do it. It's like lawyers, the same thing. Yeah. you know, you conflict out, you conflict everybody out. So, what do you do in the face of this? I mean, do you are they going to be changed by this? Uh, you know, it, will there be regulation? Do you see it coming? There's people talking about it, and this is the first time in history. I think they're a little nervous about it.
1: Um, it I mean, I, mean I, th- I, think it's right. I think it's possible. I think it's. I mean, obviously, you know, Google's been way. You know, you mentioned Microsoft. Google's mm. been executing the playbook very flawlessly on the how to not, not be Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, so they've been far more savvy. Um yeah. I think I, Face was gonna I,
0: drag Google in here. That's what that's my feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean one one thing that's new is there is there is a bunch of new FTC commissioners waiting to be approved. So that is mm-hmm. a little bit of a reset to that group. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to predict. I mean I think we have to stay. What tuned. would
0: regulation look like? What would you want?
1: Um I mean we have focus on the user.eu that talks about our issues specifically within, you know, the kind of the search, search. bias realm and local. Right. Um, where we show it's possible to create, you know, essentially a level playing field for mm-hmm. local content. Mm-hmm.
0: But what else would what you imagine should be? Because at some point, you don't want the government to be doing too much, right? Because that creates. I mean, you could you could easily argue Microsoft lost all its mojo. Although it's still a very powerful company, but certainly remember when everyone was terrified Microsoft, and then not so much.
1: Well, there is a revisionist history that certain people put forth that the lawsuit against Microsoft did nothing. Right. And I would say the lawsuit hit its peak, I think, it, around, you know, maybe beginning of 1998. Yep. And Google was born around the end of 1998. Yep. And right around that time, you may remember that Internet Explorer was getting all this proprietary stuff built into it, right. ActiveX controls. Like mm-hmm. They were planting the seeds to control the web. They were. And I would say that the DOJ's effort there gummed up You know, did gum up Microsoft. A Mm -hmm. lot of people say that. Bill Gates uh, recently had some quote, uh, you know, suggesting that and and quit Microsoft uh, soon after that. And so I I would argue, uh, and I think Gary Reebok, the attorney involved uh, Uh, on the other side, would uh, would strongly argue as well that it had a massive impact to create oxygen and opportunity for companies like Google.
0: Yeah. And, Netscape and I, died and I think, for Google. Yeah,
1: I think we've just ways. been very passive. Have, have you read the book, The Chicken Shit Club? No.
0: What? There's a book called The Chicken Shit Club and yeah. I haven't read it? All yeah. right.
1: What's it about? Uh, it's about how we lost our will to sort of for enforcement and prosecution. Yes. Uh, it's kind of in the, it, you know, I, I'd say the thesis is something like, it, you know, post Enron. Enron was kind of the last hurrah. Mm-hmm. And then we had the financial crisis and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I would call that another Obama administration failure Mm -hmm. is they didn't want to make waves. I'm sure it was, you know, a scary situation. All the banks are saying they're going to die if you do anything or go after anyone. But they did nothing. And I think, you know, there was some signals, you know, smoke signals sent saying we're not into prosecutions. We're not into, you know, heavy handed enforcement. Unless a case is open shut, we don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are today.
0: So, do you see that happening? You think the shift is it? Trump administration more, he attacks tech quite a bit. It's kind of in an odd, inaccurate way. Uh, pretty much always. Yeah, happened. I mean,
1: I God, it's hard to speculate where the administration is is going right. to end up on, on this stuff because you know, obviously, we all or see it. All o- it's it. all over the map, so right. I can't speculate on on whether it helps or hurts. It's it's random.
0: Are they it's, allies yeah. to you now or not? I've never seen them mention Google or Facebook, really.
1: I don't- He won't mention Facebook because the
0: Russians are- I wouldn't say
1: it's a clear messaging strategy on their- I don't know where their position is. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of comments around Amazon. Well, he doesn't like the Washington Post. He doesn't like the Washington Post. That's really what Um, it's all about. But I don't have a sense for how does he feel about Google and Facebook right now.
0: I don't think he thinks about it. I don't know, but the but the agencies do. So in terms of where, so what Silicon Valley has to do now, I finish up talking about that. What do you imagine? How do you you know you're one of the leaders of Silicon Valley. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, they've been also through not just that, but the Me Too stuff that's mm-hmm. been going on here. There's been a lot of reckonings. Yeah. Um, how do you what do you imagine Silicon? You know, Uber was a whole big black eye on Silicon. I think at the beginning of that. Um, they're trying to clean that up. Uh, Kostra Shahi he's trying to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, how does, fa- uh, still company like get, maybe it's not a monolith, like when I interviewed Tim the other Tim Cook the other day from Apple, he was like, we're not the same, you know, and I know people at Microsoft just stop, keep us away from Facebook, because we're not, that's not, it's, but they call it a contag, I've heard people in lots of other companies call it a contagion, like that it, everyone gets sick when one of them, either the Uber or the Facebook or whatever gets in trouble, how, what do you imagine has to happen? people will differentiate or I would say
1: there are definitely differing schools of thought. Mm -hmm. Um, You could argue that Facebook maybe had a libertarian bias. Mm -hmm. Where it was like, hey, we don't want to touch stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't want to police too much. You know, you've got Peter Thiel on the board there, Andreessen on Mm -hmm. the board there. So, you know, that could play a role. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have, you know, any deep view into the board dynamics there. But I'd say, you know, Tim... Cook has a point in that all companies are not created equal, all companies have differing leaders. Not everyone uh, you know, falls or would put themselves in that libertarian like anything goes kind of camp.
0: Right. Yeah, I think one of the thing is is they don't wanna You know, one of the things I've always argued with Mark about, and just recently, they don't want to have values because you have to argue about values and defend, you have to pick values that you have. And I think in having none, it creates a worse situation because then you're, you've created the mess and then don't have your values to stick with it. Even though they say they have values, I'm trying to...
1: Yeah, I I think one thing that I've seen to be really important is developing your values early and applying them early. Because... It's, as you can see from Facebook's position now, it's extraordinarily difficult to have this thing that is massive, that's essentially a monopoly all over the world, Mm -hmm. and say, okay, now we're going to create the rules. Mm -hmm. Because then you have different factions saying, oh, well, your rules hurt us. You know, you have power dynamics that apply. But if Facebook, you know, a decade ago or more said, no, no, we're not going to tolerate this. We're not, you know. We're not going to take political ads. What, whatever it is, set some like if they could have anticipated how their service could have been, you know, misused by certain actors, then it would have been easy to nip in the bud. And you don't really get accused of, you know, right. being political
0: Why, like they are now. What, what is that sort of blindness toward that? Because I do think that they that one of the things I've noticed a lot of companies here is the idea that they don't anticipate the negative aspects, and maybe, and they always make the argument that innovation can't happen if you're negative. Um, which I think is a canard, but
1: um, I mean, I'm not sure. I definitely in my you know I could speak to my own experience of running Yelp, you know, you are able to make decisions along the way that can either that can optimize along different dimensions. Um, so one example, is very early on we saw that there were you know reviews being written by local businesses yes, about themselves. Cheat, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we very quickly developed at the time a rudimentary but now much more sophisticated algorithm. And you that got dinged for it. You got we took yeah. arrows in the back and continue mm-hmm. to take arrows, but less so you know recently knock on wood. but you know we, we took a lot of flack for that, but it protected the integrity of the site. Uh, but not only did we pay a PR, a long PR and you know continued PR price uh, but it also slows our growth, right? Because mm-hmm. we our growth for many, many years came almost exclusively from Google. And if you have more content, fake or not, mm-hmm. Google would send you traffic. Right. And we decided, you know, from the get-go, no, we have to be a trusted service. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to do the very you best. The it's never going to be perfect. Right. But we have to be, do the very you best know, we can to crack down content, on the right. bad actors and keep the content as clean mm-hmm. of biased content as possible. And, that, you know, that's painful because, you know, you, you see other entities – you know, out there, I mean, even Google actually, like, uses all sorts fake of tactics. News. To,
0: you, you were to, fake news before there was fake news. Well, they, fake, you know, the fake, fake news reviews. problem, but even
1: in their local product to try right. and compete with our quantity of reviews, they started taking, you know, star ratings and inflating their numbers and doing all sorts of little growth mm-hmm. hacky tactics. And so, you know, you as a leader can make very real decisions that can have either wonderful ramifications or... Or terrible ones mm-hmm. um, I don't know what the, what the trick is to anticipate all of them you know mm-hmm. I'm sure there's been plenty of situations where I stepped in it but I think that is one of the critical jobs uh, of a leader mm-hmm. is to try and figure out what are the things you know you're, you're doing that are maybe small right now mm-hmm. um, but can cause problems later like there was actually one very recently that, that we had which was um, you know there's been a rise in uh, there's these new businesses that help you solicit reviews Mm-hmm. Uh, for your local business. So all at right. scale, they just blast your customers, what have you, to try to drive reviews. But that creates a very biased platform. Sure. So if you let that flourish, then all of a sudden everyone who's paying for a reputation uh, gets service gets an advantage on your platform, which corrupts the platform. And so we decided to take a, a crackdown approach. Whereas like all these companies wanted to pay us money. In fact, like I had realized we had a few of them that we were sharing some review content with just on a monitoring basis. They weren't supposed to obviously... Uh, you know, solicit reviews to Yelp. But it was just, you know, I had to draw like a, a very clear line. We can't work with these companies. Our integrity is too important. Yeah. We have to, you know, protect the consumer. Over growth. Over easy money and, you know, maybe some incremental growth. Yeah.
0: Right. All right. So, last question. That's it, an excellent, excellent way to end it. But when you think about something you've done, either good or bad, that, uh, you know, again, we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening, what would you say there's something, and I don't want to say you learned something from it, but what's a, what's a mistake you made that you? corrected or that you you would say for an entrepreneur? Or what's in a piece of advice you give to an entrepreneur? Obviously have character, which you were just saying just a second ago.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... Mistake off the top of my head is a little tough. You should have sent me your questions beforehand. <laughs> I you cannot know, do uh, that. Should prepare, prepare <laughs> A really good, uh, relatively innocuous uh, <laughs> mistake. But I mean, actually, it ties, it do perfectly dovetails. Oh, yeah, I've got one, I've got one. It perfectly dovetails into where we, we landed on the, you know, reputation stuff mm-hmm. um, and the recommendation algorithm that we have. That very first cut of it, what we did, and, and this echoes some of the, the stuff today, is we removed reviews and then they just kind of disappeared. Um, so if you had a business and we thought some of your reviews were spammy, our algorithm just took them off your page and left everything to mystery. Mm-hmm. And so that definitely was part of what stoked the fires, the initial PR fires of, oh, Yelp is manipulating the reviews Mm -hmm. for advantage or to sell ads or what have you. It never was of course, but it just created this this mystery, mysterious uh, behavior. And, you know, one of the ways, one of the things that, that did help a great deal, didn't necessarily solve the communication mm-hmm. problem, was just being more transparent about it. Right. And so, you, you know, obviously talking good. openly about it uh, as much as possible, creating a video to educate people, mm-hmm. but then also even showing the content. So that at the bottom of every... A local business page. If we're not recommending some of the reviews, we're setting them aside, you know, because we're suspicious or we don't know about, enough about that user. You can actually see it for yourself and still read it.
0: Right. That's an interesting. That is a great piece of advice. I just was talking to Jennifer Palmieri. She said that was the mistake of the Clinton campaign is they needed to be. Whoever is going to run in the future has to be absolutely transparent to the point. And that's the one thing she said about Trump. Whether you like his lie, that he usually lies on Twitter. Today he did like six of them. But he's very outspoken. Like he's. It feels like he's communicating almost constantly. And she said that's if you don't do that as a politician you can.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I and think as a
0: CEO, I agree. You yeah,
1: I mean, I wouldn't say that that he's sort of the no, no,
0: no. But I'm talking about <laughs> the best a, example. No, 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 of like no. Of course, speaking not, no.
1: candidly, but I think the way that he speaks, because it is in a unfiltered manner, yes. in a way that always shocks us. Yeah, it has the appearance yes. of, of being you know not but political you're because on it's like also look, I'm, so I'm not couching it in all right. this safe you know right. s- corporate yeah. speak. I'm yeah. telling it like it is. But unfortunately, when he's telling it like it is, he it's still not, has an yes. agenda and is not sticking to facts. Right, but the idea
0: is to be as a corporate leader more transparent
1: I don't think you can go wrong with like welcoming people in showing them what you've got whenever possible sometimes it's not possible but a lot of times you think it isn't but actually it is
0: you're right absolutely Jeremy this has been a great conversation it was great talking to you thanks for coming in you'll come by in two more years two more three (laughs) if you enjoyed the interview as much as I did be sure to subscribe to the show you can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Play Music wherever you listen to podcasts or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more Give a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. This helps them discover great interviews like this one. Are you going to have a podcast section on Yelp? Should I? Yes. Hello.
1: Sh- that hosts Kara's Recode interviews. Yes. <laughs> Is that what you're looking, looking for? A little Wait, incremental why not? distribution. We're a service. You could right. do them.
0: Why not? Yeah, it's talk. reviews.
1: Got the BDA people together. I'm just
0: telling you, people like a podcast. Just, not just me, but lots of podcasts.
1: I, I listen to some.
0: They like a podcast. Especially you.
1: Always be, listen to no, it. you don't. I do. <laughs>
0: now that you're done with this, you should check out our other. You, you like Scaramucci, right? If, now that you're done, of America. Is it
1: keeps it keeps me yeah, sane, but I wish they'd talk about Google. A yes,
0: more. yeah, you like a dude podcast. Now that you're done with this, you <laughs> should check out our other Recode Radio podcasts on Recode Media with Peter Kafka, who is a dude. You can hear No Nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech and the latest news. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, which are growing Code Conference and Code Media, and many others. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode, and thanks to our editor Joel Robbie and our producer Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.